Saludos, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Democrats Deliver. Today, we have a very special guest, New Mexico Secretary of State, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. Maggie is a longtime resident of New Mexico who has served her community for many years. She was a Bernalillo County clerk for 10 years, where she expanded voting access and stood up for the LGBTQI community when it came to providing marriage certificates. She's dedicated her career to moving our state forward, from fighting for our environment to standing up for reproductive justice. And most importantly, she knows that making it possible for more of us to vote on these issues is the way to legislate the changes we need. During the COVID-19 pandemic, she successfully fought for funding to expand voter access, and she supported a more transparent campaign financing system. Thanks to Maggie's leadership, more New Mexicans can make their voices heard in our fair and honest elections. All right, Madam Secretary, thank you so much for being here on the Democrats Deliver podcast. Um, it's been such an amazing journey that I've seen from you and your personal growth and your success uh, in your role. And I just want to say it's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman. And I'm so happy you're doing this podcast and it's really a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. So I met you back about what, five or four or five years ago and um, and you've definitely been around for a while. I was talking to the El Paso, Texas County Chair, Michael Apodaca, and he said he knew you back at UNM when he was doing his undergrad. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's crazy. So what inspired you to get involved? Like since you've been involved yeah. for a while. That's a good question. Um, so yeah, I've been involved actually since I was 18 years old, right out of high school. I started working on um, Senator Jeff Bingaman's reelection campaign that year in 1994. Um, and I think what inspired me to get involved is I was always, um, you know, I, I was raised in a family that was very politically aware, but not necessarily very active. So we always had dialogue and discussion in my house about current affairs and politics. We watched all of the, you know, the conventions over the years, and I was very engaged in the election process. I'd stay up late on election night to see who won, and I've always been a Democrat since I was very young, you know, very strong sense of social justice. And um, after high school, I... Um, was looking for something to do with my summer. And I happened to drive by Senator Bingaman's reelection campaign office. At that time, we didn't have cell phones, but their campaign phone number was on the marquee of the office building. <laughs> yeah. And I got home and I called and um, I had written Senator Bingaman when I was a young girl because I was, it was the, you know, the height of the Cold War and I was really worried about nuclear war and I had gotten a letter back. So I always held him in very high regard because, you know, his office took the time. Of course, I didn't know it was him at the time. It wasn't him at the time that wrote <laughs> me back, but yeah. uh, his staff. And I just called and said, do you all need volunteers? And they said, what are you doing right now? <laughs> I said nothing. So I, I went down and that was, um, you know, I worked for that campaign all summer and that really kicked off my, um, you know, volunteer career as a student uh, working my, and then started working on campaigns, worked my way through college and grad school. And just, um, you know, the more I got involved, the more I worked, um, you know, whether it was as a campaign staffer or a precinct chair and then a ward chair in Albuquerque, president of the college Dems, et cetera. That's where I, I met Mr. Apodaca. Um, 
I just got more and more involved over the years. So, so you've done it all. So you, from the bottom precinct level all the way to the top, that's a, that's an amazing journey. I have, I have made the coffee. I have knocked <laughs> on the doors. I have made the phone calls. I've done all the things. Uh, so I, I'm very um, appreciative of all the work that our volunteers and our activists, our Democratic Party officials do, because it's very hard work and there's often not a lot of thanks for it. Uh, I think I shared that thought with you earlier today when we were having lunch. And um, I just really appreciate all of that hard, just, you know, work in the trenches um, that folks do. Thank you. That means a lot. I can tell you it does because, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is hard work. And sometimes uh, the expectations are, are huge. And um, you know, yeah. sometimes we can meet them. Sometimes we can't. But thank you. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, let's talk about. The recent successes in, in your past term, I mean, you're running for re-election and I want people to know the great things that you've accomplished over the past term. Well, we've done a lot to move New Mexico forward in election administration. And, and the, the two most important facets of that are access to the ballot box and security and integrity of our elections. And those two things, um, they're both very necessary to have. Uh, elections that are meaningful and that have integrity, um, and we can do both at the same time. I, th I think often we hear that um, you know we we have a choice between elections that have integrity or elections that are accessible, and that's just a completely false choice. So on the accessibility side. Since I've been in office, um, we have expanded online voter registration. We've improved automated voter registration at MVD. You can now apply to receive an absentee ballot online through our online portal. Um, and we've also made every polling place in the state a, uh, a voting convenience center. So that means any polling place in the state that's open on election day, any voter can vote at now, which is fantastic. We've also made it so that a voter can register and vote um, at the same time, uh, either during early voting or now starting this year on election day as well at any polling place. Um, so these are really huge um, voter access improvements. And we also made huge strides in improving um, our, our, not only our election system, but vote by mail in specific during 2020 and the COVID pandemic was critical. We've kept a lot of those uh, improvements that we've made, including drop boxes, secured monitored containers to receive ballots uh, in most of our counties throughout the state, including here in Doniana County. And um, that's just going to make it even more convenient for voters to cast a ballot. And, and then real quickly on the security front, we've just continually built our election security program this year. We, um, we've been funding it through federal funds, but we actually asked for and have received now permanent funding from the legislature to staff that program. And what these folks do is they not, not only make sure that our internet is secure in terms of all of the technology that we use for voter registration and for checking in voters at the polls and issuing them a ballot, um, but we also are using those um, those tools to protect our polling places, our voting machines, um, and the security, of course, of all of the individuals at every level who run the election, um, just to make sure that, you know, they can feel safe and confident in conducting their duties and, and carrying forth our democracy. You emphasize security. Um, what does the opposition say about that? I mean, you hear a ton of information that's being thrown out on social media about, um, on that issue. Um, what are some of the lies that are being thrown around? 
a good question, and I think one of the biggest challenges we're dealing with in election administration, if not the biggest challenge, is the mis and disinformation that's purposely being put out there about how our elections are run. Um, there are really just so many lies um, that are being spread. And, and what's really unfortunate is that people are, are believing these lies. Um, a lot of the lies focus around, first of all, uh, our voting systems that we use here in the state, our tabulators. Um, they are scanners, essentially. If anybody's used a scanner at their office or in their home, um, they, they read the ballot and they tabulate the votes. Um, and they're, you know, the lies range from, you know, they're that there are foreign entities that are, you know, programming these machines, which is absolutely false, to um, that they're connected to the internet and that, you know, votes are being added to these machines. Um, there are so many layers of checks and balances to ensure that our machines are accurate and that they tally votes correctly um, that folks just really aren't aware of. And it starts way before we even certify a voting system for use in our state. It's a multi-year process. There's um, so there's so much independent testing at the federal level and at the state level. There's oversight at the federal level and at the state level before we even certify those machines for use. There's a citizen committee that either recommends or does not approval. And then each and every voting system before it goes into a polling place is uh, tabulated or uh, excuse me tested publicly um, so members of both parties any interested citizens can watch this process to make sure that you know ballots are being fed in uh, they're being counted accurately and the machine is is cleared out and zeroed out before it's sealed up and it goes to a polling place um, that's just a, a, a chunk and in a very like sort of high level chunk of all of the things that we do yeah. and so you know, one of the things it's so since it's so hard to kind of, um, you know, explain how detailed and how thorough um, and how many fail safes are built into this process. I just really encourage folks that are interested genuinely to be a part of the process, either, you know, watching the testing of the machines, um, working as a poll official, of course, is the best way you can ensure the integrity of the process or as a, a poll watcher or challenger. Yeah. Thanks for that rundown. I've heard some talk that this narrative of the big lie, that it actually demoralizes and discourages participation right. because people feel that, well, why, you know, uh, is that the yeah. end game? Do you, I mean, have you seen that happening? Do, are people getting demoralized? I a hundred percent believe that that is the end game. Uh, because if you think about it, um, if you, if you are able to successfully, uh, convince somebody that this lie is true, that elections are in fact rigged, um, then you as an individual voter no longer feel like you have agency, right? It, yeah. that, well, then it doesn't matter if I go to the polls or not, right? Because my vote's not going to matter anyway. Um, and and the, the truth is, this is a very cynical political calculation because, you know, unfortunately, we're living in a society that's very polarized. We know that the parties are very polarized. And one party, the Democratic Party, which you know you and I are members of, yeah. really believes in full participation. and And I, as an election administrator, believe in full participation to the to the extent of i I don't care who you are. I just want you to come out and vote. and i I truly believe that uh, as long as everybody who can cast a vote has, their vote counted uh wh wherever the election 
you know, however the election turns out and wherever the chips lay, that's what's best for our democracy, even if my preferred candidate doesn't win. Um, unfortunately, the other side believes that if they can keep election turnout low and keep fewer people from voting, especially people that already face hurdles to the ballot box, and of course, we're talking about people of color, people in rural communities, elderly veterans or youth, right? Folks who, you know, may vote Democrat, may not necessarily, but that their chance of winning is greater. And so, yes, all of this is calculated to keep people home, to keep them from coming out to the polls, and more importantly, to really rile up uh, the the other side's base and and turn them out to the polls, right? Um, So it's really sad that the very foundations of our democracy are being so abused um, and that people are, um, you know, believing in, you know, if not the full big lie, at least in elements of it. And it's just, it's one of the biggest jobs that we have in election administration as a democratic party and in our society to try to push back on. Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Talking about full participation, um, can we touch a little bit about uh, SB8? Um, you're probably way more versed on this than I am. So tell me about that. Well, no, th- thanks for asking about it. Um, I, I really, you know, that bill was was a labor of love uh, between myself and the governor and the leadership in the House and Senate. And, you know, were it not for, you know, the truth is we really have, you know, some unfortunate toxicity in our legislature and a lot of it I think stems from the fact that we don't pay our legislators they're not able to be in session for enough time on a on an annual basis and have that full-time staff to really um, help them vet policy Uh, I do truly believe that had we had more time we could have gotten this bill passed but what it would have done is it would have addressed a lot of um historical inequalities that we still face here in New Mexico as good a job as we're doing with elections. And mind you, you know, we're number nine in the nation uh, on the MIT uh, election uh, integrity scale, right? So they measure elections every two years and see how well elections are being run. But we still have these areas we need to address. We need to address the historical disenfranchisement of our native people and make sure that they have protections in place and resources to be able to cast their ballot. Uh, We have um, so many others uh, that we were trying to address, Uh, for example, restoring the the voting rights of felons um, so that, you know, they can become part of society again once they're released from prison and be able to, you know, uh, the evidence shows that, you know, folks who are able to vote again after they've been incarcerated, um, you know, they have much lower recidivism rates, right? So they, you know, because they're back to feeling part of their community and like they have a voice. Um, So we would have addressed that issue. Um, We, one of the things um, that was, you know, I I had no idea it was going to become such a hot topic was this notion of allowing 16 and 17 year olds to vote in um, local elections. And that the idea behind that, we're, we wouldn't have been the first uh, state to do it. Um, there are some other places across the country that allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in their school board elections mm-hmm. uh, because you know these kids are in school every day. 
and the decisions that school boards make affect them directly on a daily basis. And if we want to build our democracy and build participation and have a more robust democracy, it's so great if we can start getting younger people involved in the voting process as early as possible, especially about the things that directly impact them on a daily basis. Um, so we weren't successful this year, as you know, um, but we are definitely hoping, if not to bring back the bill exactly the way it looked um, this last legislative session to um, definitely move components of it forward in the future because they're still needed. Yeah, I, and I hope that it is brought back and finally successful. Um, thanks for the rundown. Um, we are at 15 minutes. I do want to give you a chance to tell the Democrats of Doniana County and anyone else listening uh, your closing thoughts and why it's important sure. that we re-elect you. Well, thank you for asking the question. You know, um, I hope, you know, the folks here in Doniana County should know me by now. I, I have spent a lot of time down here over the years. In fact, my very, very first uh, sort of event, if you will, um, in my, in my uh, campaign to first be elected Secretary of State, way back in 2013, we had a Democratic uh, State Central Committee meeting down here. Um, and I was here at that and letting folks know I was planning to run. Um, so I really feel like Las Cruces in many ways is sort of where the, the birth of my, <laughs> my very original effort to become elected Secretary of State started. And I, I, I think, you know, that's intentional because um, I do feel like the southern part of the state and Doniana County in particular, um, because it is so geographically separated from, you know, of course, Albuquerque and then, of course, Santa Fe, where um, all of these decisions get made. I think that physical separation tends to make the folks of this community feel um like they're not necessarily included, right? And for me, as Secretary of State and as somebody who cares deeply, not just for the state, but for every single person and every single voter in the state, I wanted to send a message from the very beginning that um, this community uh, and these parts of the state that don't necessarily always um, get, you know, get enough attention, right, yeah. that are important to me. And so I've made a deep commitment that I have kept to all these years to spend lots of time down here. I've built strong relationships in this community. I've visited some of the, the less uh, visited parts of this community, but I'm continuing to do that because it's a big state and this is a big area. And even though I live in Santa Fe and I'm from Albuquerque, I want to always make sure the folks down here know that their votes count just as much and just as importantly as every other vote in the state. And how we run elections is just as important. Uh, and we have so many issues in the southern part of our state that we don't have in the north. You know, we have, you know, a, a bigger immigrant community in the south. We have the colonias down here that are facing, you know, even just basic services issues that a lot of our northern communities don't face. Um, and we have, you know, just it, they're just different issues, right? It, you know, every community in our state has has an issue that it's facing, but um, you can't apply a cookie cutter approach. So that's why I'm here. And that's why it's so important for the voters of Doniana County to participate in our elections, to make sure that voice is heard, that that Southern New Mexico representation uh, is made and it's loud and clear in our state government and in our federal government. And I, for one, want to be a champion of that and continue to be a champion of that. And that's why I hope folks will vote. And uh, that's why 
my race is so important uh, is to make sure we continue to put that attention where it needs to go in our state. Thank you so much for your mindfulness and thoughtfulness of uh, the people down here and the issues. You're exactly right. It's uh, sometimes gets forgotten, but we appreciate right. that. Doña the County <laughs> loves you. I can vouch for that. Everyone loves you, Maggie. <laughs> so I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I certainly love you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, so where can people find out more about your campaign and uh, get involved to help you out? Sure. Well, thank you, Eddie, again, for doing this podcast and for giving me an opportunity to chat with you in the community. My website is just my name, MaggieToulouseOliver.com. And even if you're not quite sure how to spell it, Google will probably take you there. I'm also on all the socials The you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Insta and, and all of those. Um, so folks can find me there, too. Um, and of course, if folks have questions or want information just about elections and candidates, um, visiting my uh, Secretary of State website. Um, and again, that's easy. Just Google New Mexico Secretary of State. It'll take you right there. And and the last one I really want to emphasize for folks, um, go and check out uh, nmvote.org. That's our online voter registration and information portal. That's going to tell you where, when, and how to cast your ballot. It'll allow you to apply for an absentee ballot, view your sample ballot in advance of voting. And if you need to make a change to your voter registration, you can do that there as well, right there online. Um, and that's just going to be your sort of go-to source for information about elections, nmvote.org. Thank you so much, Madam Secretary. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Eddie. I really appreciate it.